Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Are you pumped? <laughs> yeah. So this episode thrilled. She loves gun episodes. Yay, they're my favorite. I'm Savannah. <laughs> I'm Alicia. This is Burden of Proof. So, welcome everybody. Hello, hello. Alrighty, so this is a tough case. I'm sorry. I got into it because it's all about stay on your ground. No, I'm ex- I'm excited for you to cover it because I know you'll do a good job. But what was started out in the beginning of my research of like, I want to cover this because of stay on your ground laws, um, turned into also gun law issues after the fact. So anyway, we'll have a good time. Yeah, we're going to make it. I'll do my best to make it palatable. And we will make it approachable because that's our whole gig is making yes. the laws behind this stuff approachable and that you understand it so yes and i try not to overstep my boundaries because we're not again we're not attorneys yeah i think this is a good point to remind you (laughs) (laughs) and i will say it again later i'm sure um yeah but i but i do try i tried to write everything in a way that kind of explains but doesn't um i'm not officially interpreting the law all right so Picture Florida, Clearwater area. Are you familiar? Yeah. I thought so. Okay. <laughs> so that gives you a good a good picture of where we're at. All right. So on July 19th, 2018. Mar- oh, this is really recent. Yes, it is. Marquise McLaughlin picked up his girlfriend, Brittany Jacobs, at work with their three young children in tow. They decided to make a quick stop at the nearby Circle A convenience store in Clearwater to pick up some snacks and drinks. Brittany was driving, and despite there being open parking spots in front of the store, she chose to park in the most convenient spot from the direction in which she pulled into the parking lot, which unfortunately was the only spot marked for handicap parking. Marquise and their five-year-old son, Marquise Jr., go into the store while Brittany waits in the vehicle with the two younger children. Literally 10 seconds later, Michael Draca pulls into the store parking lot and does, it's hard to describe, but I do link the video so you can watch Mm -hmm. it for yourself. He kind of like angles his car as he's pulling into the parking lot and then does a quick U-turn. Okay. Okay. In the parking lot to park facing the driver's side door of Brittany's car. Okay. Okay. Now, that being said, I feel like I need um, some matchbox cars to like. Yeah, I wish. Oh, I wish I would have thought of that. 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 (laughs) This is a key point. This is a big, a, a big thing. And even the judge, I'll speak about it later when the judge gives his statements. But um, Michael, too, is parked illegally because he doesn't park in a parking spot. He just parks at the end of a row of parking Mm -hmm. facing her car. Okay. Like like he's beside her so that his driver's side is next to her driver's side. No, the front of his car is facing her driver's side. Oh, so it's like this. And he's here. Okay, so it's like a T. Yes. Okay. Like a T. Like a T. Okay. He gets out of his vehicle and immediately walks to the back of Brittany's car to look at the license plate. Then he walks along the front driver's side to the front to look in the windshield. 
from the video, from the security video, which I suggest people watch for themselves, and I'm obviously going to link it in the show notes, it appears that it is right then that he realized someone's in the car because she had her car windows darkly tinted. So at first he didn't even realize As soon as he realizes, he begins pointing at the handicap signage in front of the parking space while looking in the front of the car. He then goes on to gesture at the open spaces at the front of the store while still standing on the sidewalk in front of her car, but kind of just to the right of the driver's side. Brittany testified later that it was just then that she cracked her window to hear what he was saying. She could tell he was Mm -hmm. saying something, but she couldn't hear him. Michael then approaches the driver door, standing what appears on the video to be just a couple feet away, and tells her that she's parked in a handicapped spot. Brittany says she told him that she is aware and that when her family returns to the car, they will leave. Brittany also testified that Michael's response was that people that park here, I give problems to all the time. She then went on to say that Michael's demeanor was very angry and aggressive, which aligns with the video, because you can clearly see that he continued to point and gesture. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't hear, obviously, on the security video, but you can tell his whole body language mm-hmm. is not that of just oh sorry ma'am you know could you possibly move your car <laughs> like yeah. it's that's not what you see and other witnesses as well testified that they predominantly heard him during the argument and saw him pointing aggressively at her according to Brittany Michael would not let it go even when she expressly told him to leave her alone so she began raising her voice as well The argument escalated to the point that Brittany stated she wanted to push him away, but that at that point, the video shows she remained in the car and never expressed a physical threat herself. She then feels threatened to the point that she brings up Marquise. In her testimony, she said that she asked Michael, do you want me to go get my man? Another witness to the incident, Robert Castelli, testified that what he heard her say was, wait until my man comes, he's going to handle you. So whether those were two separate statements or she just, we don't know, because everything happened so fast and obviously nothing was recorded other than the physical video of it. Brittany stated that Michael's response to that was, yes, if you want him to fight. The entire argument between them lasted less than two minutes before witness Robert Castelli had gone into the store and notified the store clerk that there was an incident and they might need to take care of it before it turns into something bigger. Yeah. So then just another 10 seconds after Robert Castelli had entered the store, Marquise is seen walking out of the store alone, having left their son in the safety of the store. Okay. He starts heading toward the car, and when Brittany sees him, she gets out of the car. Okay. Okay, she gets out, but she stands, like, right there by the driver's door. Michael Draca made no attempt to back up or move when she got out of the car. So they're standing, like... Very close. Very Pretty close. Yeah. So when Marquis sees this, you can tell. That's, at that point, he picks up speed 
and he rushes to them immediately, pushing Michael Draca to the ground. Now, this is where some of the controversy starts. Okay. Is the language that is used in what Marquise did. I think using a hard push, a shove, is adequate. Mm -hmm. Other people are using the language, he slammed him to the ground. There is a big difference. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's why I say, and I cannot repeat it enough, watch the video footage for yourself. Mm -hmm. Because that language is so important on how you view it. Now, I personally think that he shoved him. And he did so from the side because he's coming at them. They're facing each other. It's a T situation again where they're facing each other and he's coming at them from the side. So he pushes them from the side more than it's not a straight on Mm -hmm. push. He pushes them from the side. And you have to remember Marquise is a 28-year-old. Michael Draca is 47. Yeah, and he didn't need is to not in good slam shape. him to the ground. He openly admits he smokes two packs of cigarettes a day. Holy he smokes. drinks like the this even the store owner testified as to why it is that Michael Draca comes in all the time. He comes in to buy energy. He's drinking like two to four energy drinks a day and smoking two packs a day. And is 47 and has been retired for years at this point. Mm. So he's not in good shape. Yeah, so, so it's not surprising do. that a shove like that would. It's not that he that Marquise threw him to the ground. It's that he was caught off guard, mm-hmm. and he's not in great shape. So when he got shoved, he fell to the ground. Mm-hmm. Not shocking. All that to be said, of course, Marquise shouldn't have shoved him. But I uh, mean, technically, because if the story ended there, the Marquise would have gotten arrested for assault. Technically, yes. Okay, so we we can all, from a legal standpoint, yeah. we can agree that that wasn't the right thing to do necessarily because he didn't. Okay, we'll get into it. I'm gonna. Yeah, I'll end up on a tangent, and I don't want to do that. So in her testimony, Brittany stated that she and Michael were distanced from each other, saying maybe nine feet away. But on the video, Michael is standing in the painted access aisle mm-hmm. next to that handicap spot. And those are regulated. Yeah. And typically, they're about 60 inches or five feet wide. And so she's parked right next to the start of that. And he's like in the middle. So at most, he was like a few Couple feet, feet away. Yeah. yeah. He wasn't nine feet away from her. The other thing to note is that even though those are typically 60 inches wide, they can be up to 60 inches wide. Um, I believe is what I had read in my research. And this one in the video doesn't look that wide. It looks about as wide as kind of the sidewalk Mm -hmm. in front of the store. So it's maybe not, it might not even be five feet wide. Mm -hmm. But at most, he was standing no more than a few feet away from her, I would say. Now, so far, everyone can probably agree, like I said, that, you know, Marquise shouldn't have done that. But Michael Draca doesn't need to police who parks yeah, in the handicap like, spot. I Why think did at this he point, not? It's it could be like a like walk away. Everybody could walk away and be fine. Yes, because no, you shouldn't have parked in the handicap spot. Correct. But also, and like, she admits that. Yeah, but also like you shouldn't be yelling at a woman yeah. in a parking lot. Yes, get yourself together. So, and he doesn't know. 
Mike, what's his, the. Michael Draca? No. The shooter? The other guy. Marquise. McLaughlin. Marquise. Two M's I keep getting confused. So, and like Marquise doesn't know what the context is of the situation. Exactly. He's coming in and he sees a man really close to his. Yelling at his girlfriend. At his girlfriend. Yeah. So I. Yeah. Just everybody could just walk away and yes. be done at this yes. point. And had all things, had everybody been, you know, a little less stubborn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that may have happened. But yeah. Had this so not Br- been Clearwater, Brittany- Florida. <laughs> <laughs> that too. Um, Brittany admits that she should not have parked there. We can all probably understand or any reasonable person can understand that Michael Draca had a number of options. He could have gone inside and complained to the store owner. Yeah. He could have called the police. He could have done what most people do when they see that, even if it is a pet peeve. That's a pet peeve of mine. I don't like to see when people park in handicap and don't have handicap spots. But you know what? Ultimately, it ain't my business. If I had to park there myself, then yes, it's your business. But if if not, like... I think reporting it to the store is like the most of the... um what most people would yeah. do or just yeah. saying something and if somebody just doesn't realize which they always know but yes yeah anyway yeah. and marquise had a number of options he could have come out you know and asked what are you doing what's going on why are you know whatever yeah. before touching him they could have called the cops Brittany could have called the cops and been like there's a crazy man standing in the parking lot yelling at me i know i'm parked illegally but like come on yeah <laughs> like i feel threatened So everybody did wrong here by far, but where people tend to disagree is based on what happens next. In the video, it appears that Marquise takes just one more step toward Michael Draca after shoving him, but then he stopped. It happens all so fast, but I've carefully watched the video so many times I lost count. I noticed that he does take that one more step just after pushing him. And then he, like, hikes up his shorts because his shorts were too big. He hikes them up just as he's coming out of the store as well, mm-hmm. like, when as he's walking out of the store. Because he's wearing, like, um, like basketball shorts, mm-hmm. like, the kind of elastic, but they're probably, like, a size too big. So they mm-hmm. keep sliding down. So he takes that step. He kind of hikes up his shorts. And if Michael Draca had just pulled out the gun, stating... Well, I pulled the gun on him because he took that step toward, he pushed me, he took that step towards me, he's hiking, you know, Mm -hmm. I, he, he reached for his hip because that is kind of his defense. Yeah. Um, that would have been okay. Um, however, the half a second that it takes Marquise to see Michael Draca pulling out his gun, he immediately began to retreat. He takes a couple steps back where he bumps into the car and then he begins to turn to retreat further. And that is exactly when Michael Draca fires the gun. Hitting Marquise kind of just, he was turned. Mm-hmm. So he kind of hit him just to the left of his left nipple. Okay. okay. So that just is further evidence that clearly was Marquise turning. was turning. Marquise then runs. Back into the store where he dies in front of his five-year-old oh, son. Oh, no. Immediately after the shooting, 
Michael Draco placed his gun in his vehicle and stood outside the store, reportedly directing customers to go elsewhere because he had just shot someone and they are all waiting for the police to get there. (laughs) Robert Castelli, the guy who saw them arguing, went into the store to notify the owner, stuck around. He actually, he had stepped back outside of the store after Marquise went out. Mm-hmm. And he attempted to run toward them when he saw Marquise push him, probably mm-hmm. to try and break it up yeah, or intervene. Yeah, because he thought they were supposed to start fighting. Yes. But then as soon as he sees Michael Drake up, pull out the gun, he then also retreated like in between some other. He like darts mm-hmm. to the side in between some cars. So Robert testified that Michael seemed irritated but not in shock through the entire thing. Pulling his gun out smoothly, taking the shot, getting up to put the gun away, and while waiting for law enforcement. He's just chilling. He seemed not like composed. He just, not like he just killed somebody. No. Robert also testified that Michael never appeared to be seriously injured or indicate that he was in pain from the fall. The unusual thing that Robert noticed, though, was that Michael Draco was pacing in front of the store, muttering to himself things like, you shouldn't have pushed me. What did you think was going to happen? And other phrases of that nature. So he was calm in the sense of like he didn't look in shock. Mm -hmm. He didn't, you know, he didn't sit on the ground for 15 minutes after shooting the guy. He was able to. Yeah do all these proper things to handle the situation. But at the same time, he's weirdly talking to himself Mm -hmm. and saying things that are making people go, are you trying to justify what just happened? Yeah. (laughs) Another witness on the scene, Vicki Conrad, also testified that Michael Draca seemed relatively calm afterwards, but that he kept, she used the term babbling to himself about something, but she Mm -hmm. never specifically heard what. But that just kind of backs up what Robert Costelli said. He testifies that he went to the corner of the building away from Michael Draca, but that he kept his eyes on him the entire time. And he's the one that called 911. Yeah. So. Well, good. I'm glad that he was there. Because by all accounts, he did what he should have done, Robert. Yes. Yes. All right. So police arrive. They take Michael Draca into custody for an interview. He was held at the station for a few hours while the detectives gathered evidence and witness statements before speaking with him, but his actual interview lasted only about an hour or so. Oh, that's really short. I guess, like, what is there to say? You'll find out. You'll hear some of it. I have clips. I love audio clips. So, he waived his right to an attorney and fully disclosed what happened from his perspective. The only thing he did not cooperate with detectives on was the sample of DNA. He refused, saying he didn't see why they needed it, given he's cooperating and he was obviously part of the incident. Now, there will be links to all three videos of his time in the interview room, but I picked out specific clips that I felt were important, but that I couldn't really do justice yeah. and i didn't want to sit here going well then he said and then the detective said yeah <laughs> so also good good time to point out you did an excellent job explaining um what happened i could see it it was great i know that oh, can be difficult to kind of explain sometimes so you did a good job thank you thank you i tried all right 
So here is clip number one of the beginning of his interview where they just basically say, okay, in your words, tell us what happened. Okay. So just walk through, you you leave your house and you drive up to the store? No, I was coming back from the Wawa down on uh, Missouri and Rosary to okay. get some cash and head home, stop by the store, boom. Oh, okay. So you get to the store, tell me, kind of walk me through what happens. I park my car and that's my store. I'm there every day, plain okay. and simple. And uh, every day there's somebody pulled in the uh, handicap spot there just waiting on somebody. Okay. So I have a pet peeve about it. Sure. I you know, said, do you mind you know, moving? There's a spot next door and there's spots out front. I said, do you mind moving and waiting on somebody? And so there's plenty more spots in the full more spots. Okay. Yes. And uh, she took that as an affront that I would speak to her that way. Started getting a little, you know, yelling. And then of course, so you walk up to her car? Uh, actually, I was walking around it. Oh, okay. Okay, because I parked here. She was here. Okay. Okay, so I just checked for placards, plain and simple. And, and she inquired about what, what was going on. Okay. And that's when I told her, you know, about the handicap spots. That's what did you tell her? I said, it's not very polite to park here when there's other people who need to use this. She says, is it affecting you directly? I said, if my mother-in-law rolls in, yes, it will be. So, okay. you know, there's nothing... It, there was none of that between us at all. Okay. Not nothing. It was just heated words, that's all. Okay. Not how I was speaking to her, I guess. Okay. Uh, she said, what do I have to do get my man? I said, well, what's going to happen then? And a little more arguing back and forth, and I never saw what hit me from She was the driver of the car? She was in the car. Yeah, she okay. was the only person in the car all right. that I know of. You didn't see anybody else in the car? Ten windows, almost dark, dark. Okay. Couldn't see through Right. So you guys are talking? Yeah, exactly. She's out of the car by this time. Okay. Standing next to it, that's all. Okay. And uh, I got hit from the left side and thrown straight backwards in line with her car. So okay. If you saw this, if you saw the two white ladder lines mm -hmm. next to the thing, that's where I was standing. Okay, so I went almost straight back after I got hit. What do you mean hit? Uh, I was standing like this talking to her. Okay. I was hit from right here. The shoulder was pulled in front of me, and then I was. Oh, okay. And then All I right. hit the ground. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm pretty sure. We'll get somebody to take pictures of all yeah, I'm not worried about that too much, but uh, I'm pretty sure I landed my wrist uh, under my gun, actually. That's okay. how I landed, because that's hurting like a son of a bitch now. So you landed on the pavement? Oh yeah. Okay. I was on the ground. Uh, so that time I had to put hand down to get hand out from underneath. As I come out, I start drawing my weapon. As I start leveling off my weapon, he makes his next step towards me and 21 foot rule. I'm okay. on the ground already. Right. Okay. It happened so fast and that was that. Did he say anything to you? Negative. Not a word. Okay. Did you say anything to him? No. Like back up? Or? No. Okay. okay. So you draw your weapon. Talk, talk to me about that. From from well, the way I was able to draw it, I couldn't even I couldn't level it with one hand. So I had to eventually try and bring my left around for support. Okay. And uh, he made his step towards me, and that was that. How many steps did he make? Towards Just me? one step. Okay. 
And then that was uh, tell me, talk to me about that. What do you do from there? I made sure there's no other threat around him because it spun him a little bit, and he ran into the store. Immediate threat gone. I did have her as a potential. No, I mean beforehand, before you fired the gun. Say, ask me the question. Before you fired the gun. Yes. Once you pull the gun out. Yes. Okay. You said he stepped towards you. Yeah. Because I made one more step. Towards... Right. He made one more step towards me. And then what I, do you I, do? I didn't say a word. Gun okay. was already out. Okay, what do you do? Fire my weapon. How many times did you fire the One weapon? One time, sir. Okay. So you fire the weapon and then basically just scan? Uh, I ended up standing up, made sure all of the threats were cleared, reholstered my weapon. Okay. All right. So he didn't come back at you again or anything like Not that? Not after he left. Where did he go? Into the store. Okay. Did you strike him? No. No, I mean with a gun? No. I, I don't know. Okay. I assume so, yes, because there was an ambulance there. Okay. So you don't know if you had I know I know nothing, but I would assume so. Okay. All right. So uh, what do you do? Talk to me from there after you reholster your weapon. After I reholster my weapon, everything's clear. Uh, somebody's screaming about hurt kids. Somebody's screaming about hurt kids. Uh, somebody thought they were in a car. So I said everybody's inside, you know, see if you can get her to unlock the car. Mm -hmm. and that, that was it. All I remember is screaming about kids. Okay. What, what do you do from after you hear somebody talking about her kids and stuff? Everything's on. Well, I asked one person to go, you know, see if she can unlock her car from the inside. And then I decided to extricate myself from the situation completely and just back to my vehicle and wait for you. So I took my house, or I took my firearm out and loaded it, locked it, left it in the car. What do, you, what, do you, what do you mean? You locked the back? Yes. Okay. I loaded it. Locked the back. Waiting for you. Okay. Did you unload bag or anything like that? Or? No. Okay. God, no. Just All the right. one that was in the pipe. Okay. Um, so where did you store the weapon at? In there. Inside the vehicle. Oh, it was in my holster. Okay. Where, where did you put the gun at? Though? Right on top of the center console. Okay, on top of the center console. What do you do from there? Wait for you. Okay. Do you make any statements to anybody? Negative. Okay, on the park a lot. Other than telling people it's probably not a good idea to be in here right now. Okay. Your customers pull in now. I spoke to no one else. Okay. All right. Well, I did inquire if he had his cameras on because I know he's got nine cameras in that place. You inquired to who? Uh, to, uh, the clerk through the door. Okay. I'm pretty sure he was on the phone with someone. Okay, so did you make contact with him? You walked up to the store? I, I walked up to the store through the door. Okay. You know, and he nodded yes. And okay. That was the end of that because I really want somebody to get his tapes. It should okay. have everything. <clears throat> okay. Um, I'm, I'm sure they do. Um, so, after all this happens, uh, deputy show up on the Sunday? Oh, yes. Okay. We'll talk to me about that. What happened from there? Uh, procedure deputy, you know, identified me. I identified myself. Okay. And from there, it was, it was straightforward. Me on the ground, handcuffs. Okay. All right. Did you have contact with deputies here or detectives when they brought you here? Uh, one say they came in, got some uh, quick information, and asked me if I needed any water, and I haven't okay. seen anybody since. All right. Did you talk to? Um, I'm sure, I think they read your rights and stuff like that. Yes. Okay. So you've been advised of your rights. Yes. Okay. Interesting perspective. Yes. So the interesting t thing to note. He told the detectives at the very beginning that he was at Wawa getting gas and then he stopped at the Circle A on his way back home. Circle A is a gas store 
a gas store. A gas station convenience store, just as Wawa is. Mm -hmm. So why do you need to stop at two different locations that are... I mean, if the gas is cheaper at Wawa, then maybe. Maybe. But I thought that was a little strange. Like, you have nothing better to do than to stop at multiple gas stations and convenience stores. It's a little strange to me. Mm-hmm. And I th- I think that the next statement, though, kind of summarized or answered that question, mm-hmm. which is, if you noticed, he said, that's my mm-hmm. store. And he explained how he's there every single day. After allowing him to make this initial statement, the detective told Michael he was going to slow it down and ask him questions to walk him through the event. During these questions, Michael admits that he regularly takes pictures of vehicles parked illegally in that spot. When asked, wouldn't it be best to call law enforcement to handle the situation? Michael responded, it wouldn't help. She'd leave. Well, that's what you want. Mm Mm-hmm. Once they get into the topic of the shove, or as Michael deemed it, the tackle. The tackle? Yes, he says he tackled him. He admitted that he doesn't know if he hit his head or not on the pavement when he fell. And that he was only slightly dazed by the fall. Next, he reenacts the shooting with the officers by laying on the floor and telling the officer where to stand, estimating that he was on the ground aligned at about the end of the front door of the car, or essentially Mm -hmm. the middle of the vehicle, but a few feet away from the vehicle. And he stated that Marquise was at the very front of the car, and then that Marquise was at about where the front tire is on the car. So they had... They had at least a few feet between them. Marquise was not right on top of him. Mm -hmm. He wasn't probably even close. He wasn't really even close enough to touch him. Yeah. He claimed during that reenactment that Marquise was, quote, two steps running. But when the officer asks he was running, Michael said, well, he would have been running when he got beyond the car. So, I don't believe I can do this next part justice either. So, again, if you want to watch everything, go to our show notes. The clips are there. Or, I'm sorry, the full videos are there. But here is what happens after the reenactment. Let's kind of back up because I'm, I'm just trying to understand. <clears throat> Excuse me. Before um, you, you shoot him, okay, um, and he, sh- he had already shoved you, right? You said you thought he was going to come kick you and basically finish the job. Uh, yeah. Okay. Did you hear him make any statements? Negative. He never made a word. Okay. Until like I I'm fired. coming to. I'm never coming said to a word until I fired, but then uh, he never said a word when he dumped me either. Right. So you never said. No, sir. Okay. So you guys don't have any type of. I barely even saw the man. No, I mean, after he oh, pushed no. you, you were on the ground. There's You're trying to get to your sidearm. No talks between us. Okay. At all. You don't ask him, what the hell, dude? No. Why'd you push me? No. Um, he doesn't make any statements, I'm going to come kick your ass? No. 
Negative. Okay. He didn't say a word to me. So he made no threats that he was going to come finish his job? It was an assumption, definitely. Okay. So you just assumed he was going to come do that? Uh, any smart person would, yeah. Yeah, I mean, okay, I get it. I understand that. So, and then you shoot him um, just one time, correct? One time, sir. Okay. Um, neutralize. And then that's he it. just neutralize it? Neutralize, and then that's it. There's no reason to... What do you mean? Can you elaborate? What do you mean neutralize? Neutralize uh, the immediate threat. Okay. And then that's it. I don't... No reason to go overboard anyway. Sure. Okay. I get it. And then he I runs shoot, in... The, I shoot to save my own ass, and that's that. Okay. And then he runs in the store, um, and then by the time fire rescue... Things are right. Okay. You unload your gun. You have contact with deputies. Correct. How often do you go to that store? You said... Every day. Every day. Okay. Um... Do you ever have any type of issues with people parking in that? One, seven. That's it. Okay. Well, can you kind of talk to me about that? Oh, yeah. That was a business, a big old septic truck parked okay. there. How long ago was that? Many weeks. Okay. Don't know. Like a month, maybe? Yeah, many weeks. Okay. Can you kind of talk to, talk to me about that? We had an argument. What's that? We had an argument so because he didn't like me walking around the truck taking pictures too. Where was the truck parked? In the handicapped spot. Okay. Um, so was it a tank truck? Facing the store as well? Basically the same as same the young thing. lady's car? Except his was easy. They're yeah. a local company. Sure. All right. So you were walking around the vehicle yeah. doing the same thing? Just took pictures that time. Okay. Then he got out and confronted me. Okay. Ah, all right. I, I have nothing to say. <laughs> like... Yes. So the statement neutralized the immediate threat. I okay. as he said there. Well, I do have a question. So mm -hmm. what did he do before he retired? You didn't say Yeah, that's what I'm about to get into. I was gonna ask earlier, uh -huh. but I figured you would, so Yep. So obviously that statement along with the other use of law enforcement and military terms mm -hmm. throughout the interview like 21 foot rule that, and at yeah, some point that's what did it for me at some point he uses force multiplier and the use of negative instead of just saying no mm -hmm. gave the detectives pause they then confirmed that michael had been a gun owner um at some point they confirm that michael had been a gun owner since the age of 22 but had never used a gun in a professional capacity Rather, Michael's father was a law enforcement officer, and Michael himself had wanted to join the force, but his father forbade him, even stating that he'd go so far as to break his arm if he tried to join. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Do we know why his father didn't want him to join? No, we don't. Okay. Peaked at the mention of the incident with the septic worker in the clip... Detectives begin asking more about potential past conflicts. And here's what they find out. Let me ask you a question. Um, you, you mentioned um, that, you, that you go to the store all the time and you had that one incident with the uh, septic company. Mm -hmm. Any other incidents prior to that? Do you ever have any discussion with the owner of the store? Yeah, he saw me that day. No, no, I mean about about these handicaps, somebody parking in the handicap spot. Yeah, I, t I talked to him the day of the septic. Okay. Yeah, was that uh, uh, Mustafa? Is that his name? I don't know his name because there's another guy too. Oh, okay. I can't keep straight. What did you tell him? 
same thing. He said, I parked out there. I gave him the, the phone number, and you can see the company logo on the side of the truck. Okay. That was that. There's, there's no reason. He, he, he doesn't have any reason to come out and stop people from parking in his hand. Did, you, you, know I mean? did you ever have a discussion with the owner and stuff saying, hey, you guys need to enforce this? No. Okay. That's his prerogative. Well, I know, but I mean, clearly there's an issue with people parking there, wouldn't you say? Oh, well, yeah. Okay. I'm not always there. All right. So, I'm not trying to get in arguments with people either, you know? What right. I mean? Absolutely. But when they see me doing stuff like that, they automatically think, hey, what's this guy trying to do? Fuck me? Right. And you Wouldn't know, you think that a little bit? If somebody can't take a picture around your car? Well, like, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. It, it, exactly. But if somebody can't take a picture around your car, you'd probably do the same thing, right? I'd ask a question first instead of going with the mouth. Well, me, I know better. Let, let me ask this. That, that parking space, and this is just that parking lot in particular, there's actually other like empty parking spaces that are probably closer and have better access to the front door. That's the only one that has access so to that ramp. In in this particular situation, though, if somebody can park right next to the ramp, walk around to it, does it really matter all okay. that much? Um, I'm not sure where this is headed. What's this? <laughs> I'm not sure this Whether or not it's worth worth uh, worth an argument over the yes, parking space. Yes, yes, I think it is. Do you? Yeah. All right. I mean, wouldn't you, instead of an argument, because you not just... Not an argument, if you, right. you know what I mean. A discussion. Agreeing with what he just said. That's okay, it. but don't you think, um, instead of putting yourself in that type of circumstance, that it may escalate? Because people are crazy. I mean, right? There's, you have road rage incidents, you got people getting shot all the time, all, all kinds of stuff, right? Yes. So... Hear me out. Wouldn't it be best, instead of putting yourself in those circumstances, to contact law enforcement and have a deputy come out there or Clearwater Police? Well, Clearwater Police and I don't get along. We have some Fourth Amendment issues. What, what is that? What do you mean? Fourth, uh, Clearwater Police illegally searched my car. Well, okay. You know, How long ago was that? Oh, last summer. Oh. So they took it upon themselves to go through my glove box when all they had to do was replace something back in my vehicle. What was that? My firearm. Okay. So they took your firearm out of the vehicle? Always. Okay. All right. But again, back to the question, just, I mean, wouldn't you think it would be better instead of putting yourself in that type of circumstance that what, could escalate? Okay. What does this have to do with... I'm just asking. I mean, being on my back and... That, that, that does. You told me you were on your back and stuff, but I'm just saying, don't you think that it would be best to notify law enforcement. You said you don't like to argue. You said you don't like to have confrontations. Right, well, Wouldn't it be taken, but um, okay. you were straying a bit off course, I think. No, we'll, we'll get back to that, but I'm just asking you a simple question. Do you think it would be best to call law enforcement and have them address that issue? You'll never make it. Okay, because the person what? Will they be? leave. Okay. They'll never make it. All right, so it's, unless it's, you guys are literally parked there, do you really sometimes think we're there? Sometimes we're real close. Right. But you're not going to drop a, a, an important something for... Sure. Okay? <clears throat> Why bother you with stupid things like that? Okay. I'm I'll, sorry. I'll I'm, not after, uh, I'm not after being a justice kind of guy, but when I just say something to a person about being parked there, I don't expect it to go where it went. So that's why you don't call, because by the time you call, oh, they'll be gone. They always are. Okay. I'll ask a related question though. When you take the pictures, what are your plans with the pictures? Like, to what, show what, his boss. What's, what's the purpose in, in taking That's the pictures? That's for his boss. 
Do you take pictures of other people's cars at all? No, actually, like no, you just, see, um, you see just commercial. I didn't want to take a picture of their car. There's no reason to. I'm not going to turn them into anybody. I just want to ask them if they think it's right to be parked where they're parked. Okay. Do you, do you understand that? I mean, do you, does it ever go through your mind that when you're going up and, and talking to these people and informing them of, of them being parked in a handicapped spot, that they might not take that right? That uh, this might go sideways a little bit? Well, sure, but that's why I take precautions as well. Like what, what kind of precautions? Oh, I'm a very careful person and I have a permit. Okay, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean. Yeah. Well. I, mm, what are you going to say? I mean, I I would. My number one question right now, you can't answer. Because I want to know why his dad wouldn't want him to be a cop. Yeah, I can't answer. I don't, you know, don't know if it was his own experience in the force or if he just felt that his son is not. Is not someone that should be in the force. I'm kind of feeling like it's the latter. Yeah. Because clearly this is somebody who has some yeah. authority issues. He mm-hmm. thinks that he is the law. So he doesn't need to call the law. So after that section of questioning, detectives dig back into the shooting of Marquise and Michael states that the only thing he was focused on was, as far as Marquise's body mm-hmm. and what he was doing, was his feet and his hips. And that if he had been standing still or retreating, there would have been no reason to shoot. He stated that he shot because of, quote, the hip twitch. Detectives have him clarify, so he stands to show them And it seems to me that what he's referring to is likely when Marquise turned to retreat. Yeah. But again, the videos will be linked so everybody can watch and decide for yourselves. In a move that shocked many, Michael Draco was released from police custody just six hours after being taken in for questioning. I would act shocked, but we did discuss why. So, as I'm sure you're going to explain why yes. he was released, because it is it is interesting to me. Yes. This is actually what drew me to research this case. The next day, Sheriff Bob, and I always butcher this name, I'm sorry, I believe it's Galtieri, calls a press conference during which he explained that the stand-your-ground law had recently been changed. The change, he said, was that the burden of proof had now shifted to the state. What that means is that previously, if someone harmed someone in what appeared to be self-defense or stand your ground, that individual would be detained, but then they could use that law as a defense in the legal proceedings. According to the sheriff, who, by the way, actually got his law degree from Stetson University. So I was really frustrated when I for the very first article that I read about this situation, that his decision not to arrest uh, Draca immediately. Um, but then the more that I read and the more that I read about him, I realized, no, he's probably right. Yeah. Because I think legally he is correct. Yeah. So he said that the change in the law meant that all his department was to do in this case is interview the shooter, gather the evidence, and send it to the state attorney's office for them to decide if charges should be filed. At some point, I believe he did acknowledge that an arrest can be made if they have probable cause that the justifiable use of force doesn't apply 
but he obviously didn't believe that there was probable cause. Well, also, Which if is the a law questionable had, to me. If the law but, had just changed, he may have been nervous about making yes. a decision either way. True. Because it's a new thing and they don't know the boundaries yet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. True. Needless to say, though, this news was extremely controversial to both the debate over gun laws as well as the race issues. Because this was 2018. Uh-huh. A lot going on in our country on race, race issues. And, of course, Marquise was black. Michael Draca is white. So the reporters in that press conference bombarded him, bombarded the sheriff with questions about his thoughts and stance on the matter. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm going to acknowledge the elephant in the room, so to speak, and say it likely didn't help perception for anyone involved that Marquise had a criminal record. However, yeah. however, did Michael Draca know that at the time of the incident? No. 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 And however, I want to be clear because I looked up his record. And from what I found in the Pinellas County criminal and traffic violations records, the last issues listed were from 2011, seven years prior to this incident. Making Marquise just 21 years old at the time of the last incident, which the last several things listed were just traffic violations. Mm -hmm. um, he had more serious stuff before that when he was like in his teens and 18, 19 years old. Mm -hmm. um, but like I said, it's seven years, and he had since settled down with Brittany Jacobs and had three kids. Yeah. So, like, priorities. And change. he had nothing after that. So, obviously, some things had changed, and everyone certainly has their own opinions on the topic of, you know, if somebody was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But I personally look at that and go, this, his past arrests or issues have no bearing in this case yeah. because. It was so long ago um, that, and like you said, Michael Draca had no idea. No, he had no idea. He didn't know that. So mm -hmm. Marquise could have been a very upstanding, mm -hmm. no record kind of guy, and he would have no idea. But that being said, many in the public accused the sheriff of defending the shooter. I think even after his explanation of the change in law, the question on many people's minds was, do you still think it was justified? <laughs> like, I think yeah. they just wanted to hear it from him. Mm -hmm. And he really wasn't willing to say. But, you know, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, the controversy, though, only grew from there. And 11 days later, the sheriff called another press conference during which he stated himself and representatives from both the Upper Pinellas Ministerial Alliance and the Upper Pinellas NAACP had a meeting to discuss the concerns of the community. He said that those representatives were supposed to join them there for that press conference, but had called shortly before to say they were not coming. And he, he clarified that he had called them back after they canceled. And basically, he believed that the reason for their canceling may have had to do with an article that had just come out the day before 
Like, because he okay. met with them, they planned everything. And then a news article from a local journalist came out and it was very, it politicized the event. Yeah. Hardcore. Um, and so he believes that might be why mm-hmm. they canceled. Nevertheless, he went through with the press conference. He went on to clarify some of his previous comments at the first press conference and explained the changes in the standard ground law in more detail. So, again, there's going to be like a bazillion links in yeah. this in this uh, episode's show notes because um, I'm including the links to both of those press conferences if anybody, would, you know, is interested in exactly what he said. I just thought it was important to touch on it as everything seemed to get extra spicy. <laughs> extra spicy. <laughs> After his comments. But Michael Draca was eventually arrested and charged with manslaughter on August 14th, 2018, almost a month after the shooting. Okay. The trial. We love we love a spicy trial, don't I we? I do love a spicy trial. I'm I'm kind of in a I think that the sheriff didn't do anything wrong. No, I, I think he was it, just doing his best. This is why I have icky feelings about it because I do think that how can I best say this I I kind of feel like he was really just trying to defend his position in making the decision to not arrest him Mm -hmm. but it came across as though he was defending oh I see the actions and he he used the term um, that it fell within the bookends of the standard. Like, it, it was just okay. his language and, and stuff around it. And honestly, this is Florida. And most people are all about gun rights. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think- you know, everybody knew that that was going to, that that was going to turn, that this case is going to turn into that. Yeah, especially in 2018. Yes. So... I think that he was more defensive over that than really. I don't know, but I don't know because, like I said, I haven't watched he, the videos. I'm this is yeah, just of yeah. what you're saying, so that's where I'm coming from. He is one of the people that used the term "slammed him to the ground." Ugh. So that, I hate that I stuff like that did not help. Yeah, it very much made the perception like he was defending the shooter. Yeah, because while you were talking, I watched the clip. Yeah, so, so. It, he didn't tackle him. No. He didn't. In my opinion. It was a hard shove, but it was not a tackle. It was not a, oh, he picked me up and slammed me to the ground. Yeah. It was it, it was a shove. And I think he just lost his footing because he was taken off guard. I, yeah, I agree. And he's out of shape. I'm in my 40s. If somebody pushed me, somebody, Let's test I it. could see them coming and I would <laughs> fall like that. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. Later, I'm going to test Alicia's balance. <laughs> I have terrible balance. You do. I have vertigo. <laughs> so, yeah. It's there. Anyway, so this trial was just about as spicy as the media coverage surrounding it. If anyone Also, is- sorry. You should look up a picture of Michael Draca cuz he sounds exactly like he looks. <laughs> I can't explain he it. Does. He sounds exactly yeah. like what he looks like, so. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone is interested, a link to the trial coverage, the entire trial is on. And I was right. In a past episode, I said CoreTV.com and you laughed like you didn't believe it. It is CoreTV.com. It just sounds like it's like a fake website. (laughs) But it's not. It's real. You can go there and watch the whole trial. And you won't get a virus. No, you won't get a virus (laughs) because it's a legit site. The link will be there to the trial coverage 
along with all the others. But here's my summary of it. Okay. So opening state statements I thought were pretty standard and what you would kind of expect. But if you're only interested in seeing the meat and potatoes of the drama, I suggest watching the particular video with the expert testimonies, specifically <laughs> this section with Dr. Daniel Buffington. That's a name. That man was a real piece of work, let me tell you. <laughs> well, with a name like mm. Dr. Daniel Buffington. Did you say he was a doctor? He's a doctor of pharmacology. So, so Dr. Daniel Buffington at your service. That's his voice. I don't care what he sounds like. That's his voice. That's not his voice. That's and his he voice. Does not, totally. He doesn't fit the name. Like, he doesn't look like what you, you would expect him to be like, you know. Well, like your like your accent. That's not no. He's. Not. I'm picturing um the butler from the Little Mermaid. Yeah, no. Doctor no. Daniel Buffington. <laughs> <laughs> nope, not at all. But let me tell you the way Judge Joseph. I'm gonna butcher his name. I'm not sure if it's Bulone or Balone. But anyway, nevertheless, it's B U L O N E. Okay, could yeah. There was totally. a couple different pronunciations. Well, I looked up how to pronounce it and I found two different pronunciations. I'm not sure how he specifically pronounces it, but hopefully not baloney. The way Oh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, the way that he handled the te- that testimony was amazing. How of Dr. He- Daniel Buffington. <laughs> how he managed to keep his composure through the, <laughs> the majority of it. Um, so what was but, he testifying on again? What was his expertise? So Dr. Daniel Buffington is no, a farmer. Pharma- say it right. <laughs> no, I can't do accents. Dr. Daniel Buffington. <laughs> he is a, a pharmacologist. Okay. Um, But he regularly testifies as expert witness on cases like this about kind of like forensic pharmacology, okay. if you will. And he was on the defense side. So he was testifying for the defense and I will get into a little bit of okay. his opinion and stuff and why, you know, that was a lot of the drama. But the way the judge handled that whole thing was amazing. He he tried to keep himself from being angry. Yes. <laughs> but um, and he's got a great you can tell he has a great sense of humor mm-hmm. because at one point responding to an objection. OK, when he's being when do- when Dr. Buffington is being is being cross-examined, because of course that's when things got spicy. Of course. The judge's response to the objection is I'm going to do the smart thing here and not say anything. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually he broke just a bit and he told Dr. Buffington something to the effect of how about when he asks you a question, you answer it. Can we do that? <laughs> Can we just like, we learn it in kindergarten. If you're asked a question, give an answer. Give an answer. <laughs> but <laughs> but I don't think Dr. Daniel Buffington is capable. Okay, that's the last time I'm going to no. do it. Unless unless the opportunity presents itself, but it's so fun it to might. say. So, obviously the issue in this case is not whether Michael Draco killed Marquise. Yeah, no, he's dead, unfortunately. But rather, was it justified? The prosecution's stance was, of course, no, it wasn't, and their evidence included Michael Drake's own statements in his police interview, the Circle A security videos, two eyewitnesses, as well as witnesses to the previous incident with the septic worker, Richard Kelly. Yes. 
Now you might be thinking, but how did they get to introduce evidence of an entirely different incident? The answer. Yeah. Okay. I think I know the answer. Go ahead. The answer is that the court allowed the testimony of Richard Kelly, John Tyler, the owner of the septic company, and the owner of the Circle A at the trial under Florida Statute 90.404, known as the Similar Fact Evidence Mm -hmm. or Williams Rule Evidence. Richard Kelly testified that he regularly stops into Circle A to grab items while coming and going from his route as a septic tanker driver because the company is right down the street. Mm -hmm. So he's by there all the time. He admitted that he was parked in the handicapped spot the day that Michael Draca approached his truck. He testified that as he came out of the store, Michael was walking around the truck taking photos. Richard stated that he asked him why he was taking pictures and even explained because he had money in the truck from jobs that he had done throughout the day and was concerned about the security of it. Mm -hmm. He stated that Michael said he had a family member who was handicapped and when he asked if they were there, Michael said no. So Richard went on to tell the court that he explained to Michael that he carries money in the truck and he doesn't want him walking around like he was. He said that That is when Michael blew up and began shouting profanities, but Richard maintained that he had said what he said and he left it at that. Richard also testified that at that point in the exchange, Michael said, I should shoot you, kill you. And Richard responded, well, I'm not afraid to die. (laughs) Dude, it ain't that deep. (laughs) Michael then walked back to his vehicle, looked around inside as if he was getting something, though Richard never saw what it was, but then he approached Richard again. Richard said that the owner of the store had noticed the exchange and came outside to intervene as Michael approached, at which point Richard said there's no point to any of this and left to finish the last stop of his work day. Mm Mm-hmm. On his way to that last stop, Richard stated that he received a call from his boss, John Tyler, asking him what had happened. And then finally, Richard explained that he never called police about the incident because he thought it was done. He had left before it escalated further, so he didn't think he needed to. However, when he saw that same vehicle of the man that he had the altercation with at the Circle A when it was taped off as a crime scene... He went and had a conversation with his boss, John Tyler, about it, and John convinced him to speak to the police. Yeah. I think that's a fair fair, um, chain of events. Yeah. The Circle A store owner, often referred to as Ali, testified that he spoke with Michael Draca after the incident with Richard and told him he needs to stop confronting customers because Mm -hmm. it's causing so many problems. Ali told the court that Michael had told him, I just can't help it. What do you, what do you mean? What do you mean? Just don't. He or just, just can't like, help it. Go to a, go to the Wawa. Like, I don't. Go to the, exactly. Like... Go to the Wawa. Apparently, there's no problems at the Wawa. <laughs> there's never any problems at Wawa because Wawa is perfect. <laughs> we love, we stand Wawa. This is a Wawa house. Okay. I don't really care either way, but but the rest of my family would agree with you. They love Wawa. So John Tyler himself testified that Michael Draca had called his office after the incident with Richard Kelly. He said that Michael left a voicemail stating that he wanted a call back because he had a complaint about one of their drivers. 
And after he spoke with Richard Kelly, he called Michael back. John stated that Michael told him that Richard had parked in the handicapped spot, that he took pictures, and would turn them over to the police because he didn't like the way Richard talked to him. Yeah, the way Richard talked to him? She's kind of weird because when he was telling the story about him talking to Brittany, he said that she didn't like the way he talked to her, and Mm. that was the problem. John told the court that he asked if Michael was handicapped, to which Michael said no, and then he asked if anyone with Michael that day was handicapped, to which he also said no. John stated that he tried to explain to Michael that the driver of the truck probably wasn't the most polite when he found him walking around the truck because there's money in it. And that Michael's response to that was, if I had had a gun, I could have shot him. To which John told him, I'm very sorry to hear that because I too am a gun carrier and was taught to not get myself into those types of situations where things like that can happen. Yeah. I don't, I mean, there's, said it, nothing else to be said. Yes. So John um, explained that he realized at that point the conversation was just going in circles and they weren't getting anywhere. So he told Michael he can do whatever he needs to do with the pictures and they will have to agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. I mean, should you have been parked in the handicap spot? Absolutely not. No. And all of these people admit that. But, but, but it's not worth I don't, this. I'm going to say this now. I thought that I already had it in the part about um, some of the investigation, but I may have taken it out. So I'll say this. The handicap spot is not even official. Oh, it's not. No. The signage, the size of it, the size of the aisleway to the ramp and where it's at, it's at the, like you heard in the police interview, there are plenty of spots out front. It's not even the closest spot to the door. It's not an official handicap spot. It's not deemed like by statute. It doesn't meet the requirements. So this is all ridiculous. So even if somebody is parked there and they're not handicapped, I don't even know if law enforcement could Mm -hmm. actually enforce it. Probably not. So... It's all for naught. Anyway, John admitted that he had told Richard that he needed to talk to the police after Richard came to him and said, I saw the crime scene um, because John himself, being the septic company, is only like a block away from the convenience store. And while John had not seen the crime scene himself at that point, he had heard a gunshot just a, you know yeah. that afternoon. He heard it. And so when Richard came back and talked to him about it and said oh it's like taped off it's a crime scene and i saw the car of the guy that it, yeah john was like you need to talk to police you need to go talk absolutely to police. absolutely of course there were multiple others who testified including law enforcement officers forensic specialists expert witnesses uh including those who gave their opinions on the fact that marquise's autopsy showed that he had mdma and mda in his system at the time of his death So for anyone who doesn't know what that is, the street name uh, or what you might rather know it as is ecstasy. Both the prosecution and defense called their own experts on this topic. And the only thing the two of them seemed to agree on was that MDA can either be a separate drug or it can be in someone's system as a metabolite of MDMA. And they agreed that based on the amount of MDA in Marquise's system, it was likely a metabolite. 
So it just means that as his body is processing the drug MDMA, it breaks it down into. and then you into MDA. But you can also get MDA mm-hmm. itself as a drug. But in this case, they both agreed that he it had w- just taken ecstasy yes. and this was part of it. Yes. Not surprisingly, the difference in their opinions were that the prosecution's expert said that MDMA is what is considered a love drug. And while active in someone's system, it gives them a sense of euphoria, empathy, and general happiness. And that based on the amount in Marquise's system, it's likely that that was the phase he was in. Contrarily, the defense, Dr. Buffington, Dr. Daniel Buffington, claimed that MDA, the metabolite, has worse psychiatric and behavioral side effects than MDMA. And he went on to state that there was a wide range of effects that the drug can cause, including impulsivity, agitation, disorientation, aggression, etc. Okay, but why is this admissible? It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't affect anything about what happened. You have a video of what happened. Yeah, well, uh, okay. I'll get there. So... He testified that it was his opinion that while Marquise showed no signs prior to Mm -hmm. the fight, to approaching the fight, okay, his decision to exit the store, leaving his son with strangers, and his decision to shove Michael Draco without first assessing the situation or warning him leads him to conclude that Marquise was having adverse side effects from the MDMA and MDA in his system. Dr. Buffington, you are there with the defense, so obviously that is your opinion. No. (laughs) The prosecution did an excellent job, in my opinion, of pointing out, so you're saying that a man leaving his son in the safety of a store while there's an altercation going on outside. Where he got shot. Where he got shot. Like, he wasn't wrong. That was an impulsive and bad decision. I think that was a very well thought out decision and not impulsive at all. Yes. Impulsive would be like grab and go. Him thinking there's something going on outside. You stay here. Yeah. Like you stay here. Let me go assess. And then he assessed. And my thing is he he did assess. Yeah. Now, should he have said something to the guy before he shoved him? Probably. Should he have shoved him? Probably not. We all agree on that. Like it's assault. Like I said, if it had ended there, Marquise would have gotten arrested. But, you know, and prosecution does, I think, an excellent job of pointing out somebody on MDMA can not be having side effects. Anybody, whether sober or not, sees their girlfriend and mother of their child and their two young children in the car and sees a man, a strange man, approaching them and pointing his finger and yelling. Going to deal with it. They're going to deal with it. Anybody would make that decision. It doesn't mean that he was so messed up on drugs that he no so because remember two of his kids were in the car yeah like he's i fully think that he is reacting yes the way that most people would react which is you know definition of common law would a normal person do this well that's not the definition but i'm saying like a a reasonable reasonable person yeah and i guess by proving that he's on drugs is he reasonable probably not but still that's a story for another day that's where stand your ground comes in if Marquise had walked out pointing a gun at him. Then yes. Then yes. Draca's decision to shoot would have been reasonable. 
but Marquise had no weapons. Had nothing. Okay. But anyway, don't get me started. <laughs> um, so obviously Dr. Buffing Buffington's who I mentioned, very spicy. I loved watching. <laughs> like it was tense and I had to keep stopping mm -hmm. and taking little breaks because I was getting really worked up. <laughs> but it's if you like the spiciness and the drama, yeah. that's worth watching. Okay, so here's the other little bit that bothered me. I assume that they found it unnecessary to bring up any psychiatric issues or medications with on Michael Draga because they had enough evidence without that that they didn't need to bring that into it, I think. Yeah, but it, I want to know. <laughs> but during the police interview, Michael did tell police that he was on two different kinds of meds for anxiety. And I just want to clarify, does that mean that I think people with anxiety are more likely to kill someone? Not necessarily. No. But... I would have been interested in knowing the extent of it. Like, who diagnosed him with anxiety? Yeah, where did he get these drugs? Because was it his primary care doctor, like so many do? Or did he actually see a psychiatrist? And if so, d like, what is the specific diagnosis? And does that anxiety play into him trying to be a cowboy and patrol the, the parking lot at Circle A? Yeah. Because I have my opinion but I'll skip, I'll spare everyone from. I but, won't armchair psychologize, yeah. like I like to say, but. Uh, yeah, I'm but not going to completely go down that rabbit trail, but I think anybody who understands mental health matters knows, like, where I'm going with that. Yeah. But whatever. So closing arguments were excellent, in my opinion, especially the prosecutions. Mm-hmm. They broke down his own statements from the police interview to show that Michael Draca was a law enforcement wannabe policing the local convenience store. The jury agreed, and on August 23rd, 2019, he was found guilty of manslaughter. Good. On October 10th, 2019, he was sentenced to 20 years by Judge Bulone. The judge's final statement was possibly the very best breakdown of the facts and if you only watch one thing mm -hmm. in our sources, I would suggest that it be his statement because it truly, he points out all of the things that made him decide to give the 20 years. Because I guess the maximum sentence would have been 30. Mm -hmm. He did take into consideration some mitigating factors, but ultimately. Yeah. No. So just to save people, on the video um, of the sentencing, the judge's statements specifically start at 47 minutes and 24 seconds. Perfect. <laughs> to save people. You're a real one for that. All right. So one of the very important legal distinctions the judge makes is that Michael Draca's mindset leading up to the shooting is important because while someone's mindset might not be important in a manslaughter case... It is very important in a self-defense case. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite things that the judge says, though, is, quote, the most ironic thing about this whole case is that he parks illegally. He doesn't even park in a parking space. He parks close to Brittany Jacobs to argue about her parking illegally. And to do this, he zooms up and he parks illegally. <laughs> Because up until that point, I felt like I was nobody else really mentioned yeah. it throughout the case. And I 
was thinking about it the whole time. <laughs> like the, yeah. the irony, the hypocrisy. Yeah. Like what? Exactly. So I loved that he brought that. Michael Draca, of course, appealed, but I honestly stopped reading. Yeah. It's, uh, like by halfway point. through, I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. I couldn't take any more no. of this nonsense. Um, it's this case has just made me practically go mad. So I skipped to the opinion of the court, and basically the appellate court found that all of his claims were either procedurally barred or without merit and upheld his conviction and sentence. Now, for my disclaimer. Okay. All right. So that's the story, folks. And if you are only here for the true crime story and don't want to hear an opinion, by all means, end now. Yeah. (laughs) Stop listening now. Um, Because I am about to rant on what I found next, uh, which isn't specific to the case. So if you're not interested in current gun laws or you're not from Florida, so you don't care what Florida gun laws are, (laughs) or if you don't want to hear reasonable opinions on gun laws, (laughs) (laughs) if you're very strong one way or the other, like cut out now. I'm warning. Okay. Because I find reasonable meaning somewhere between the NRA crowd (laughs) and the let's abolish all guns crowd. Um, Please feel free to be excused. Thank you for listening to this point. Please don't unfollow us for (laughs) for my opinion. (laughs) Um, Yes. So as I was searching for info on concealed carry permits, because I am not super familiar with them, as obviously I'm not a gun owner. I was just curious because it was mentioned in the trial several times that Florida only requires four hours of training. So as I'm doing that, up pops current news articles that the Florida legislature had just proposed changing the law to a constitutional carry, which means that there will be no permit and no training required for handguns because that four hours of training and application process is just quote, too many hoops for law-abiding gun owners to have to jump through. Let's take away the laws that would make them (laughs) law-abiding. What? It's four hours. And here's the the kicker. I had to do a little bit more than that to get my notary license. (laughs) Yes. We have to do that much to do that. We have... Oh, geez. Okay. That's a stamp, not a gun. Yeah. (laughs) So here's my my two comments on that, if you will. I also compared, I went to at least five different websites of concealed carry trainers in the Clearwater area that advertise anywhere from 30 minutes to two and a half hours of training to get the certificate necessary to apply for a permit. Mm -hmm. So unless I'm missing something, where's the four hours? Like, I, I don't. I don't know. I'll admit I didn't look at the application, so I don't know if you got to do so much before. But why is there such a wide range? 30 minutes to two and a half hours. So even that doesn't even seem consistent, in my opinion, I as think to they what might, is required. I think they might mean like that much before you can take their four hour course. I don't know. I'm guessing. I'm trying to figure they out. They literally where the said is. like three. Some some sites said one site in particular said 30 minutes to get your certificate you have to watch a video before you go but in person 
It's a 30-minute class, and then you get your certificate so that you can apply for the permit. Yeah, I Other places had two hours, two and a half hours, and some of them said, yes, you get your certificate that day, and some of them said you have to wait. Like, they have, like, a process Mm -hmm. where you wait another day or two or whatever yeah um so it my point is is that it nowhere did i see four hours and it varied as to what the process was so clearly this isn't even something that is well yeah regulated regulated or maintained i know some people who did the concealed carry class around us Mm -hmm. and it was a four-hour class that they had to go to in person but just that's just that's yeah. just in our area, which shall yeah. rename nameless. But like, yeah. It, but like I said, I specifically looked yeah. in that area because I oh absolutely I didn't want to be comparing apples to oranges. No, so. I agree. I'm just trying to. So from what I read on these changes that they want to make, the lawmakers assure everyone that the law regarding who can carry will stay the same, meaning. You know, let's take felons are disbarred from Mm -hmm. this. They're still not, you know, a felon is still not allowed to carry. It's just that they, too, will no longer be inconvenienced. So they're not checking at the front end. They're checking in the back end when they get caught. They, too, will no longer be inconvenienced by being forced to get their guns on the black market. Yeah. (laughs) They can just go buy them. Or like having a 17-year-old Walmart at Walmart. Yeah. (laughs) Like you can just buy it. Um, I should say, should they decide to break the law again? <laughs> yeah, this seems um, super dangerous. Um, so let me be abundantly clear before anyone from that RA who didn't listen to my <laughs> warning comes for me. I'm a moderate thinker when it comes to most things, uh, political stances, including gun laws. I do not wish to take away your guns. Nobody's trying I to repeat, take away your guns. I am not trying to take away your guns. What I do wish is that we would all realize that a firearm is a deadly weapon, that that obviously people in general should know how to properly use, and that we would realize there's a whole lot of people, A, not in their right minds, Mm -hmm. and B, even if they're in their right minds in the sense of, like, they don't have mental health issues, they're not, you know, violent, yada, yada, they just... They just don't be smart, okay? Yeah. <laughs> they just... Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of irresponsible people in this world. And so I feel like the laws that were in place, I felt like that was the bare minimum of, like, that was handling the these things, sure. okay? Um, like, if anything in life, anything that we want in life, if somebody wants something... I just, I, it requires a lot of responsibility. I know I'm fumbling over my words. I'm sorry. I get really worked up. I I believe that it is not crazy to require that they work for it a little bit. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. I mean, just in general and a life lesson. Like if it's something you want, if you want your guns bad enough, why can you not take a four hour class? I will say as somebody who grew up around um, responsible gun owners and people who did it the right way and, like, have locks and different passcodes and, like, nobody knows the passwords mm-hmm. to their state. Like, that, to me, is the norm. Yeah. And and I don't have I've a problem also, with responsible yeah. people, but I just, like, look at the world. Yeah. I've also – that's kind of where I'm going. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, a, 
I'm Gen Z. I've grown up in the mm-hmm. Sandy Hook Columbine era. I've been very close to several school shootings and um, other gun-related incidences, and it, they terrify me. Yeah. Um, I, like, have trouble going to concerts. I have trouble doing anything with crowds because of the anxiety that comes from gun violence. And so the idea of that is terrifying of them just saying, like, well, you don't need to register. You don't need to, which in Florida, it's already really lax. But, like, yeah. it's it's scary. And um, it's one of the reasons that I don't see myself being in Florida forever because I just it's to me it's ridiculous so I'm gonna go someplace that I feel is a little bit more normal I second that as soon as whenever I can oh yeah absolutely (laughs) I'm kind of tied down here for a while but well we are um, too but I'm just saying like yeah no I agree it's very upsetting as somebody who's been really close to a lot of situations that nobody takes it seriously and I actually highly recommend um it's just been one of the milestone years since sandy hook and those kids are now in high school Mm -hmm. and they're speaking out and they have great statements and i highly suggest anybody can go talk or look at um the sandy hook children yeah because i think that they are the number one resource for that well i will just say that little to no training on something that can literally kill a person seems ridiculous to me But then again, this is Florida, where the only driver's ed requirement is also a (laughs) four-hour online class and a parent who may or may not be able to drive well themselves to claim that they supervise 50 hours of driving time with their child in order for them to get their license. Yes, that's right, folks. For all of you in states that (laughs) have good standards on driver's ed, they literally only require that parent to say that they taught their kid to drive for 50 hours. Yeah, there's no, like, sheet or, like, any, like, thing notarized or anything. You just go up and they're like, well, did you do it? And you're like, yes, I did. And they said, okay, go show us that you can drive. Mm -hmm. And then you take a 20-minute test. Yeah. It's very easy. And um, so that's one of the many reasons uh, that, most people here in Florida feel like NPCs in a game of Grand Theft Auto. I do feel like that. Yeah, that's a great way to put so, it. So uh, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Yeah. And I look forward to getting the hate mail. <laughs> Our PO boxes. <laughs> uh, no, I think you did a great job on this episode. Um, and thanks for sticking through. If you made it to this point, you yes. get one more Dr. Daniel Buffington just for your <laughs> listening pleasure. So. Uh, yes. So, all right. Well, thanks for listening. Yeah. Thanks for explaining. You did a great job. Thank you. All right. Till next time. Till next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. Find us on Instagram and TikTok at Burden of Proof Pod and email us at burdenofproofpod at gmail.com.